This summer was definitely one for the books. Are you ready for your church's summary summary? Here's this summer in review. At CCC, we walked together, shared each other's lives, and care for one another. Our desire is to connect with each and every one of you and hear your story. We welcomed almost 80 first-time guests just this summer alone. That's numerous stories, numerous backgrounds connected to CCC. We desire to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the Rochester area and around the world. This summer, we sent over 100 students and adults on mission trips. We had 25 serve in Rochester in the Twin Cities, 28 in Sisseton, South Dakota, 18 in the Dominican Republic, and 43 in Pikesville, Kentucky. Students from Christ Community Church say they wouldn't change a thing. I've never been a part of something like that before. We gave away $195,000 in support to global and local missions and benevolence. What God is doing in and through your giving is changing lives all around the world. So thank you for faithfully giving. In August, we partnered with Autumn Ridge Church for an all-in summer baptism event at Foster Aaron Park. We had 36 people from CCC and 31 people from Autumn Ridge get baptized. That's 67 people total who went public with their faith. That is worthy of so much celebration. For over a year, we had been praying to fill two major positions, and we are so happy to announce that those have been filled. Brandon Rockwell as our high school director and Ezra Johnson as our adult ministries pastor. They've hit the ground running and are so excited to join in on the mission of CCC. We value legacy and our desire is to invest in younger generations and future leaders. Almost 100 families participated in Vacation Bible School and six kids made first time commitments to following Jesus. And at our preschool, we had 265 campers with over 20 of those who accepted Christ. That's almost 30 eternities that are never gonna be the same. We are far better together than apart. The local church is the hope of the world and you are the local church. That is awesome stuff. I'm so glad that we get to be, like people like us get to be part of that kind of stuff. So um, thanks for being part of Christ Community Church and we get to do this together. So if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here and um, I'm really glad to see you today. If you're brand new here, welcome. Uh, if you've been around for a while, awesome that we're here together. Uh, if this is your first, second, third time here, we'd love to know that you're checking us out. I mean, if we don't know that already, and you could let us know, those of you who are here in the room, you could let us know by either scanning the QR code on the seat in front of you, or on your way out, you could stop at the, uh, at the welcome desk out there, and we would love to meet you, see how we could help you, serve you. Those of you who are online, you can click our digital connect card, and it will take you there, and let, you can let us know that you're part of our online church. But all of this is really to help us get to know you a little better, see if we can answer any questions for you, how we could serve you, um, how we could connect you if that's, that's your next step. So if you would serve us in that way, let us help you. We'd sure appreciate that. So um, I'm really excited that you're here with us this weekend. We are kicking off uh, something that we call, kind of gets a few different names, but kind of it's our fall spiritual growth campaign. So we have this, this four week, this year's four weeks, where what I'm talking about on weekends, and then we have a daily devotional and we also have small group questions. They're all lined up on the same thing, and so it's really an intentional time of focusing, dialing in on what we're talking about this year. We called this series Midterms, and so I really hope that you will um, 
participate with us, and I'll talk to you in a minute about how you can do that. So the, the premise of our spiritual growth campaign this year is that God tests his people. And God tests his people not to fail them, but to bless them. Uh, the daily devotional looks like a blue book from if you're out of school, like from the old days of school and some people walking in have already said to me they kind of got the heebie-jeebies out of this. But you don't ever get away from tests. Like we just, so God tests his people. But he tests us not to fail us, but so that he can bless us. And, and there are times in our lives when we, when we are facing a test that comes from God. And remember in this, first of all, God's a really good teacher. So the tests that he gives us are really good tests. And he's also a really good father. He's our heavenly father. So these tests are, they're really good in a couple of ways. First, they're really good at testing what he wants to elicit from us. But on top of that, they're really good because he's good to us, they're really good for us. And so God tests his people not to fail us, but to bless us. There's this spot in the Old Testament that I think is a good summary of what the Bible's talking about, what it teaches about God's testing of his people. It's in Deuteronomy chapter eight, in verse 16, Moses, who's the leader of God's ancient old covenant people, the nation of Israel, he's referencing a specific thing that God did for the people when he provided bread from heaven for them on the ground, and that was how they were supposed to eat, and so, as Moses is reflecting back on what God had done for the people, he said this, he says, he, God, gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that, the humbling and the testing, so that in the end, it might go well with you. And so this, this little statement here, this little verse, helps us know and understand what kind of tests God gives to us. And so as I kind of read through that verse, I think there's four things that are generally true about the kinds of tests that God gives to his people. So the first thing about these tests from God, it's something that's new for us. It's not something that's happened in the past. It's not something, it's not something that other generations of Christian people have already seen, experienced, wrestled through and are able to hand down to us. It's something that's new for us. It's, it's a new thing that we're facing. And then next, it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult thing and it's, it's a revealing thing. When Moses wrote to the ancient people, he, he talked about this test to humble you. Not, not to humiliate you, but to humble you and, and to test you to this is hard for you and it's difficult and it's gonna reveal what's inside of you. And it presents, they always, these tests from God always present opportunities to trust. They always help us see who it is we're trusting, who it is that, that we have our hope in, where we're looking to for, for our source, for our solution. Like these tests, they come along for the purpose of presenting us opportunities to trust and the, the goal of every test that comes to us from God is so that it may go well with you. Remember, going back to the idea, God does not test his people to fail us. He tests us so that he can bless us. 
And then I've got that little note down there on the bottom of all this is, is not every test of your faith is a test from God. We have, we have many opportunities in our lives where our faith gets challenged. And, and some of those we would maybe hang the word trial on, and sometimes those trials come from decisions that you've made and things that you've done in your past, and now you're standing in the middle of all of it, and the question for you is who are you gonna trust in all of this? And sometimes it's something that somebody else has done to you or for you, and, and you're standing in the middle of something, and the question for you is like, who, who's, who's gonna rescue you? in this, it doesn't come from God, it, like he's let it come to you, but it's not from him. And temptations, where, where we're in the face of like, this is the way we're supposed to walk, and this is the way we're being encouraged to go, and like, temptations never come from God. They're faith-challenging moments, but those don't all, those never come from God, the temptations don't. But sometimes, God gives his people a test like it comes straight from him, sometimes God gives his people a test, and when he tests us, he tests us to give us a faith opportunity so that he can bless us. And that's what this series, this four-week spiritual growth campaign is all about. It's, about. it's about us finding and taking advantage of growth opportunities that lead to blessing. So, so we've labeled this midterms, we've called this the series midterms for a reason, because I believe we, as American Christians, are heading into one of these tests that God gives to his people. I think these midterm elections that are coming up are a test for us, and this is, this is how and why I see this being a test. So David Ignatius, in an op-ed piece in the Washington Post on July 4th, 2022, and he was commenting on a really broad study, big study that was commissioned by the Pentagon. He, he made this comment on July 4th, he said, nearly every American, whatever their political perspective, has a foreboding that the country they love is losing its way. So almost all of us, no matter how you see it politically, almost all of us believe that this country that we love is losing its way. And so I think the questions for us from God on the test, here's the questions. If you believe we're lost, who are you trusting to rescue us? Who do you trust to tell you where you're off track and what it looks like to get back on track? This is the most divided and the most polarized our country has ever been, and so there's, whose banner are you living under? You know, whose side are you on, and who do you trust to heal us and bring us back together? And who are we looking to for the way forward? Who's gonna show us where it needs to go, and who are we trusting to tell us our part in that? So we're in church. We're not gonna ask you all those questions, and because we're church, we know the answer to the question is Jesus. But God's questions to us may get asked in church, but the answers to the questions are answered in real life. And, and so this isn't about what we say in this moment as we think in this space as we're participating in a worship service. This is about how we live going out of here. And in real life, especially for the next seven to eight weeks, everywhere you and I turn, they're gonna tell us that the answer to these questions is a political party, it's a political platform, it is a politician. It's already started 
Our entire culture around us is looking at us and saying, hey, the answer to these questions for us is, you name your politician or you name your political party. And so what I'm hoping for us because of this series, I'm hoping that we are more confident than ever that Jesus is the first, best, and only answer to these questions. I'm hoping that we're better at seeing all this stuff that's going on around us through the grid of, of who God really is and the promises that he has made to us and the calling that he has placed on our lives. Um, I'm hoping that we're better at honoring Jesus and loving each other and serving our neighbors because we've stayed above all the chaos of our culture and we're thinking and we're acting and we're reacting like people who really believe Jesus is the answer to these questions. So I gotta tell you, after that little spiel there, this is not a series about politics. I actually don't wanna talk about politics at all. There's just so much of it going on in there. So when we're in here, I'm really not gonna talk to you about politics. This is a series about Jesus. And so we're gonna talk about Jesus as our savior. This weekend, Jesus as our savior. Next weekend, We'll talk about Jesus being our sanctifier, and that's a really big churchy word, and we'll explain it and talk about how it plays out in your and my life and helps us answer these questions that are being posed to us by God, and we're being pressed different direction out in our culture. So we're gonna talk about Jesus as our savior, our sanctifier. We'll talk about Jesus as our healer. Like he's the one who heals us, and then we're gonna talk, we're gonna wrap it all up, talking about Jesus as our king, and and I'm really excited for us to do this. I'm excited for us to spend time exploring who Jesus is, because if, if this is a test for us, and I believe it is, I'm really excited to prepare for it and then take it with you as a church, because we have focused our eyes on Jesus and are recognizing and living out this idea that he really is the answer to the questions that are being posed to us and we're gonna be people who, who live this out before the Lord and before our community, and because we do that, we're going to be blessed from the Lord and have a tremendous opportunity to be a blessing in the lives of the people who are around us. So, so if, if you are interested in receiving a blessing from God and in being a blessing to the people who are around you, this is a great opportunity for you. And so here's, here's really kind of my ask of you about this, about this series. So as you walked in, those of you who are here in the room, you were handed this thing that says commitment card at the top. So those of you who are online, this is on the front page of our website. There's a, there's a little button there for you to push that says commitment card. And, and we ask for these commitment cards at the beginning of these emphases because nothing good happens unless we're committed to it. And so this is, this is just an opportunity for you at the front end to be committed to participating the next four weeks. And we've given you certain ways that you can commit. Now I'm supposed to call out the very last one. So we're here in the fall and it is time to be in small groups. We call them life groups. If you are not in a group yet, there's that little circle at the bottom under that fourth box same thing online, participating with a group I'm already connected to, or the little circle says I need to be connected to a group for this series. So if you're not connected and you need to be connected to a group because like, you want full value out of this thing and that group participation is a big part of it, 
Circle, like fill in that little circle and turn the card over and give us the contact information that's asked for. If you don't need to be placed in a group, you do not have to fill out the back of the card, all right? Remember when you took tests, how important it was to follow the instructions? This is one of those deals. So if you will help us in that way. Now, what are we gonna do with this? If you don't need to be placed in a group, what are we gonna do with this? Here's the real reason for the card. First is to help you get in a group if you're not in a group, and second is so that I, the other pastors and leaders in our church, can know that you're participating. Like we take these cards and they sit on my desk after they kind of get entered in, they sit on my desk and I take them to meetings and we spread them out and we pray for you. Because these next four weeks, while we're making a big deal about Jesus, some really cool things are gonna be happening in your life and so, so we're excited for the opportunity to pray for you as you, as you dive into what we're all doing together. So if you, would, if you would fill this out just over the next few minutes, um, online, you just hit send here in the room. If you're filling it out, there's a pen in front of you and you can just drop them in the offering box or in those baskets as you go out. The other piece to this is the daily devotional. And it looks like a blue book, so if that causes you stress, then you can get the digital copy on the front page of our website and engage with that. It's five devotionals each day for the next four weeks in line with the subject that we've been talking about. It'll kind of build on the things that we talk about on the weekend, and it'll help you have some things that you discuss in your small group. And so again, I think this is gonna bear a lot of fruit for you. You're gonna be blessed in it, and you'll have the opportunity to be a blessing to the people who are around you. So this weekend for us, we're talking about Jesus being our savior. Jesus alone is our savior. The culture's gonna tell us that there are other people, other things, maybe you have a temptation to believe in yourself or someone or something else to rescue us from, from the gamut of things that we need to be rescued from, but the, the answer to the question, who's, who's gonna rescue us? Jesus alone is our savior. So I wanna just unpack this a little bit, walk us through the Bible. And I wanna start really narrow with this, and I wanna broaden out a little bit, and then I'm gonna bring it back in so it's narrow and personal for each one of us. So, if you start at the front end of the Bible, in Genesis chapter two, first people, Adam and Eve, our first parents, Bible tells us that they were made in the image of God, male and female, he created them in his image, Adam and Eve, and they were in relationship with him, they were under his care, they were under his leadership, and he gave them this beautiful opportunity and, and commission, and he told them to, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and care for it under his rule and under his leadership. And so they were living in like the Garden of Eden. You know, it's just beautiful place, perfection and innocence, and they were experiencing that, and then you just read one chapter into Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve, our first parents are there, and there's a serpent who we know, after we read through towards the back of the Bible, we know that serpent is Satan or the devil, and he comes on the scene and convinces our first parents that, that what God was offering them was less than what they could have for themselves. So, so he convinces them, he deceived them, and he convinced them to step away from the commands that God had given to them and the way that God had laid out for them to walk. He convinced them to take things into their own hands and, and head off on their own journey. 
and, and they walked away from God, eating a forbidden fruit, and in doing that, they lost everything. Everything. They lost, they lost their intimacy with God. They lost their innocence. They lost their intimacy with each other in their relationship. They lost their relationship with creation as God's vice regents filling the earth and, and under his love and his leadership, they lost everything. So theologians call what, like that Genesis chapter three, theologians call that event the fall. Because our first parents, Adam and Eve, fell from the glory that God had created them for and the glory that God had created them to experience. They fell from, from the glory of God into, like if you'll just let me play with the words a little bit, like from glory to gory. Like it just, and it all fell apart. And, and so it begins to broaden out in Genesis chapter four because it's just, it's just Adam and Eve to start and then Genesis chapter four, the first thing that happens is their oldest son, Cain, murders his younger brother, Abel. And, and no remorse, like just, just cold blood, fit of jealousy, he murders him. And, and then if you read a little further down in Genesis chapter four, one of Cain's sons, this is like five generations deep. So now like it's, spread, it's spreading to human beings. One of Cain's sons, he's this guy named Lamech, he takes two wives. And then he looks at those two wives and he says to them, he brags to them. He brags to them, he says, I killed a guy who, who hurt me. Like he wounded me and so I, I ended him. And, and so he just has this, this cocky air of, of violence and of vengeance. And then he passes that attitude and like he infects that, his three sons, he's got three sons that kind of take it and they're kind of the headwaters of the culture and, and they take that attitude of violence and vengeance and repaying into, into agriculture and into industry and into entertainment. And then if you go a little farther into Genesis chapter 11, human beings now, instead of, because God had said to him, like he gave him this beautiful commission to, to spread throughout the earth and fill it and care for it under my care of you and my leadership for you. And instead of that, what they did was they all gathered in one place. Instead of being interested in anything that God had for them, they, they gathered together in this one place and they created this culture and this society that was all about them. And if you, read, if you read from different parts and put some things together, this was a culture where the strong ruled over the weak and the weak were used for anything and everything that the strong wanted them to be. And so they created this culture where the strong were ruling the weak and it was all about them. And you've heard about like the Tower of Babel. You've heard about like, so this is where they were gonna build the Tower of Babel. They were building a monument to themselves without any regard for who God was or what he had said to them. And, and so they created this society that was, it was godless. And, and while all that was going on, People were, they were still getting married. They were having babies. They were celebrating birthdays. Like, like they were participating in the kinds of things that, that go on when groups of people live in culture together and they had no idea that they, that they had fallen so far and that they were in need of somebody to rescue them. 
And so it started with Adam and Eve, their personal fall from glory to glory. Like it, it, spread, it spread to all of us, it spread to all of us. And so we all find ourselves in this situation of, of, of being fallen people who, who, have, who have lost everything. We've lost our innocence, we've lost our intimacy with God, intimacy with each other's been broken and, and fallen people get together and they form societies and cultures and, and those societies and those cultures reflect the nature of the people who build them and, and, and they're, filled with, they're filled with people who are, who are fallen and, and who are broken and, and then we get to Genesis chapter 12 and from Genesis chapter 12 to the end of the book, to the rest of the book, we meet this God who loves us, who pursues us, who offers himself to us, and all of that happens for us through Jesus, who came to rescue us, and who came to save us from from that gory and restore us to glory. There's this statement that the Apostle John, he penned it back in the first century. It's in his letter that we know as 1 John. This is chapter three, verse eight. He made this really cool statement. He's talking about Jesus and he said, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Every, everything connected to and downstream from that very first work of convincing our first parents that, that God had, like there was something better for them than what God was offering to them. Every, every work from that one to his behind the scenes roles in creating a society where the strong exploited the weak that exalted the self, everything from that to, to whatever he did today to make it hard for you to get here to be part of this, to what he's got going on behind the scenes in our culture as what the Bible calls the ruler of this world. The Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. There's another little statement in in the Bible about this, it's in Hebrews chapter two, verse 14, still talking about Jesus. Since the children, starting with Adam and Eve, all of humankind to you and me, the children. Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in our humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of the devil and free those who all their lives have been held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus showed up to set us free. He came on the scene to destroy the works of the devil and to set people like you and people like me free. So let me give you kind of a summary statement of Jesus as our savior, and all of this flows out of Romans chapter six. It's really good news. So Jesus first saves us from the penalty of sin. 
That very first thing, Adam and Eve, when they got convinced that, that God was offering them short of what they could grab for themselves, that, that, that's sin. And, and they passed that on to, to you and to me. And the Bible's really clear that the wages of sin is death. So the penalty for, for sin, for Adam and Eve's sin, for your sin, for my sin, penalty is, is death. And Jesus became one of us and entered into death on the cross to, to pay the penalty for our sins. Sin, because you've sinned, because I've sinned, somebody has to die. And so, so you and I, we can choose to die for our own sins, but we don't have to. Because in Jesus, the penalty for our sins has been paid. He also sets us free from the power of sin. Because, like you know this from your own experience, that idea that God is offering me something less than what I can get for myself, that, that I've got power and they don't and I can use this for myself, that, that I've gotta somehow rescue my, those ideas that you and I have, like they get a hold of us and it is, it is impossible to break free. The power of sin in your life, my life, our culture, like it is beyond us. And Jesus steps into our humanity and our reality and what he does for us is he breaks the power of sin in our lives. Have you ever been, like you've been standing knowing the right thing to do and seeing the wrong thing to do and find yourself almost against your will choosing to do the wrong thing. Like that's the power of sin in our lives and Jesus steps into that and says, hey, by my death and by my resurrection, you enter into me, I, will, I break those chains, I, I break the power of sin in your life and sin no longer is master over you. And so he rescues us from being what the Bible calls slaves to sin. So he, he sets us free from the power of sin and then he sets us free from the presence of sin in our lives. As we go along in relationship with him, allowing him to be the one who rescues us, him to be the one who leads us in the way that we should go, allowing him now to be our leader and the one who cares for us. Like, as we go along in that, the, the, the voice of sin in our lives, it gets, it gets further and further away. And ultimately we'll end up in an eternity where what he will do for us is, is every work of the devil, the power, the presence of sin in your and my life will be banished for all eternity. And, and so this is, Jesus alone saves us. And, and hold on to this. There's no one else who can. There's no one else, there's no one else who can save you. You can't save yourself, I can't save myself, you can't save me and I can't save you. Like we are in desperate need of being rescued 
by someone from the outside who has come to be with us and who has the power to rescue us. And that is only Jesus. So here's how I wanna, here's how I wanna wrap all this up. There's this, there's this verse, really it's a prayer, and the band's gonna come back out. That I think is, I think this is the prayer for the week. And it was, it was first voiced, it was first penned by the ancient prophet Jeremiah. But he's acknowledging, he was acknowledging that, that he couldn't rescue himself and nobody else, like his peers, his contemporaries, his leaders, like nobody else could rescue him. He was in need of rescue. So this is Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14. Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. If, if you don't heal me, whatever, whatever I get is not healing. So you heal me, Lord, and if you heal me, I'll really be healed. Save me, Lord, and I will be saved. Because if you don't step in and you don't rescue me, whatever I get won't be it won't be salvation, it won't be rescue. Save me and I will be saved because you're the one that I praise. You're the one I'm looking to. You're the one whom I hope. So what I'd like to do is just ask you guys to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm gonna kind of give us a moment to, to pray this prayer and the band's gonna sing, and you just kinda let that wash over you. Sing along if you'd like. Receive what God wants to give you, the blessing he wants you to have. So Father, in this moment, we acknowledge salvation comes to us only through Jesus. So church, here's your moment to seek healing from the only one who can heal you, salvation from the only one who can save you. Use the words of Jeremiah the prophet. Thank you for being our savior. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen.
great opportunity ahead of us this next month. So what I wanna do, and I'll do at the end of each of our, each of our weekend messages, is um, I have some discussion questions for you, for your small group, if you lead a small group. You take a picture of this slide, you can, not this one, but the next one, it says discussion questions on it. Um, take a picture of this if you'd like to, or you go to our website, and it is on the, um, it's on the front page of our website. So here's the questions that I wanna ask you this week. So the first one, when you were a student, how did you feel about midterms? and final exams, 
and share a memory that comes to mind when you think about these tests. Woo, that'll be a lot of fun for, for many of us. Um, just get to know your question. Second question, what do you think about God giving tests to his people? And what do you think about this idea of our midterm elections being a test that comes from God? So I think that'll be a good conversation. Um, from the sermons, what you listen to today, and then the daily devotions, what you'll get as you walk out of here if you download it online, um, however far you get before your group meet. So from that sermon and daily devotions, what did you most appreciate? What most stood out to you? Next one, what does Jesus being our savior mean to you? And is this something you're believing right now that you're trying to figure out that you don't think is important? Something else, kind of where are you on that? What does that, what does that mean for you? And then last question, are there personal tests or trials that you're enduring right now? And what do you want rescue to look like for you? Like if you, could, if you could just tell God what you want him to do in your life, what would that look like for you? So I hope you'll, I hope you'll find some people that, that you know and are getting to know and have this conversation and take us forward in our spiritual life. So thank you guys for being here this weekend. It's been amazing to, to worship with you. Um, those of you who are here as you leave, your midterm booklets will be on your way out. Those of you online, download them from the front page of our website. God bless you guys. I love you. I'll see you next weekend.